Welcome. This is the Intimacy Podcast. Here, you'll find clean sex talk, practical advice to take your relationship to the next level, and answers to your intimate questions. I'm your host, certified intimacy coach and instructor, Rhonda Farr. While this podcast is not rated explicit, some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you guys are having a great week. I have been overwhelmed by all of the help and the awesome responses that I've been getting from you guys telling me what you want to know and what you want to learn and what's going on in your marriage. So a big, huge thank you. Today, I'm actually structuring the podcast around a question, a statement, an inquiry that I have heard several times lately. So I'm actually going to answer one of your questions today, and hopefully I'll be able to continue to do that throughout the coming weeks. Just pull out questions that I see most common or that I get most often. Before we dive into that, I'm going to shamelessly ask you for another review. (laughs) Those of you who are coming in, who are new to the podcast, or maybe those of you who have been listening for a while and you thought, I'm not giving her a review yet. I want to wait and see. But if you keep coming back and you're finding value, would you please just take a minute to go to iTunes, scroll down where you find the Intimacy Podcast episodes, and leave a five-star rating and review This is the way that we help get the podcast out. We have our podcast in front of more people. When people are searching for help, they can find us more readily. So I'm asking you to help me to be able to share this information with others. Please and thank you. Okay, you guys are the best. All right, so I recently, as you guys know, have been talking to several husbands And I have been getting some variation of this statement slash question. I don't understand my wife doesn't ever really desire or seek out sexual intimacy. But even though she doesn't seek it out or initiate, when we get going, she actually gets into it and has a good time. So if she seems to enjoy it and have a good time, can you please tell me what's going on with her? (laughs) So this is actually very, very normal, you guys. If you're a wife listening to this and you're like, yes, that is me, normal. If you're a husband listening to that and you're like, yeah, why is this happening? I'm going to tell you. But first, I think it's normal to, or excuse me, it's important to remember that not too many years ago, this kind of gradual or buildup to response that we just mentioned especially common in women, after the novelty has worn off a bit in the relationship, this would get labeled as some sort of dysfunction. This is actually a question I get from women a lot. How come I was really excited about it before we got married, or maybe even the first stages of married, I was really excited about it, and now I'm just not? Maybe we'll answer that question next week. But this kind of gradual response or this slow response used to get labeled as a dysfunction. If you feel like your partner is never in the mood, or maybe some of you listening say, my partner is always game for a little bit of fun in the bedroom, and I have no idea why I can't seem to figure out how to make myself match that type of response or desire. What we now know is 
These experiences are very, very common, and most clinicians no longer think of it as a dysfunction to have this type of discrepancy in the bedroom. We no longer label it as a problem. You probably label it as a problem, but clinicians don't label it as a problem if you aren't just automatically in the mood out of nowhere like your partner seems to be. So why is there a change in the way we talk about this and the way we label it? Researchers have begun to understand that sexual response is actually not a linear process that we once thought it was. The previous model that we used to use placed sexual desire first as if it were a spontaneous sort of like hunger. Most of us will just get hungry out of nowhere if we haven't eaten in a while. That's how we used to think about sexual desire as well. And some people, you're like, well, no, that is how I experience sexual desire. So stay with me. If you are on either side of this, I want you to know you're both perfectly normal and they're both perfectly healthy experiences of desire. They're just different. Many people are concerned about it, though, especially when we're talking about how it affects our own relationship. So many of us want to know, do I have too much desire? Do I have too little? Is there something wrong with me or my partner? And I think we feel it, uh, we think about it this way because we just want to be compatible. We want it to feel more natural and easy. We want it to flow. So today we're actually going to get to the bottom of all this and why we experience desire so different and what's going on for us. Our society puts a lot of emphasis on there being a higher desire partner and a lower desire partner. Then when we have two spectrums, right, when we put somebody over here and then somebody over on the other side, what we do is we create this gap. We create a problem to be solved. How do we have a fulfilling relationship when we're on two sides of the desire gap? I actually did a three-part series on this myself, so if you're really interested in that, go back and listen to those episodes from July and August of 2019. When we're talking about this, it's also important to note that many of us are seeking validation from our spouse that we are enough or that we're okay sexually by gauging how our spouse views the sexuality or how our spouse approaches the sexuality in the relationship. It makes sense why we do this. Many of us have a very limited understanding of sexuality and likely a pretty limited experience of sexuality. So, of course, we will be likely to turn to the only person and relationship we know to gain the context in which we interpret our own sexual well-being. I feel like that was a mouthful. I hope that makes sense. So, to recap, what's happening is we are putting um, two groups and we're labeling them. And there's a huge gap in between. And so we're like, okay, well, that's a problem, a problem that we need to solve in order to be happy in our relationship. And then as we're viewing this problem, we are basing how we feel about ourselves on what we see in our spouse. Now, if our spouse is all the way on the other side of this gap and we're trying to gauge our own sexuality and Uh, validate ourselves, that becomes a problem, right? Most of us have never intentionally tried to say that our view of the sexual relationship is what should give our partner validation or not, but it happens. 
It happens because we get all these cultural and gender-specific messages. Then we go into marriage and try to sort those things out blindly with a person who likely experiences sexuality very different than us. Can you see how this is damaging and frustrating when we don't measure up to what we think we're supposed to be? I talk to many people who have this idea that in order to have a normal desire, it means that they'll just have the automatic desire for sex at various times throughout the day. They think everyone should be able to look at their partner and just be ready to go, especially if they're really attracted to them and especially if they really love them or desire them. For some of you, this actually might be true. Maybe you really do just spontaneously go throughout your day thinking about sex. For many of you, though, you're like, I never do that. (laughs) That's not me at all. And a lot of you are thinking, well, sometimes I have days like that, and sometimes I don't. Which group of people should we declare the standard and start labeling all the higher and and lower desire partners around? What do you think? Right? If we're going to make labels like that, there has to be a standard. Neither. (laughs) You're all really normal. But we're also all judging ourselves based on what we think society and our partner expects of us. Now, to be clear, there are some extreme outliers that might be outside of the realm of what most professionals would label as normal, but those are rare. I also want to throw in a quick note here um, about extenuating circumstances. If you or your partner are experiencing trauma from past sexual abuse and haven't worked through it, you will be experiencing um, anything that you view as sexual with a whole different lens, okay? When sex and sexuality equate to danger, to pain, to trauma in your brain, your experience will likely be very different than what we're talking about today. So I highly encourage you to seek out professional help. And please don't judge yourself or beat yourself up based on your lack of experience with anything that I mentioned today. Your experience is a little bit different and not what I'm talking about, okay? If you or your spouse are dealing with trauma, just know that some of these things we're talking about might not feel true or relevant, and that's okay. Seek out help that you need. Okay, that very important distinction having been made, I want you to know that most of us are labeling our desire as a problem because it doesn't align well with our partner or because we perceive it to be a problem based on the limited context we're judging ourselves around. But if we go to the research on the matter, we now know that there's so much more to consider. Are you familiar with the terms responsive and spontaneous desire? They're pretty much exactly like they sound, and I've already alluded to them a bit. And all of us will probably have some experience of both types of a desire throughout our marriage. Before we even dive into all that, though, it might be helpful to understand this part better as well. I want to call out the difference between arousal and desire while we're at it. I could probably do a whole podcast on this one day, but for now, just think of it like this. 
Desire is the wanting or craving of physical intimacy, while arousal is more about the physiological changes in your body that happen when you're excited. Contrary to what many people believe who use these words interchangeably, arousal does not equal desire. And this is super important too. Desire doesn't always equal arousal. There are lots of reasons for this that perhaps we'll talk about at a different time, but for now, just know that someone could be aroused but not experience desire. And as odd as it sounds, many partners truly do desire and want their spouse, but are unable to get themselves to arousal. So if you're scratching your head, (laughs) I'll give you an example. Some sexual abuse victims have felt extreme shame and, and confusion when their bodies had a physical response, right? That arousal to something that was sexually relevant, but not welcomed or desired. Does that make sense? So your body might experience something and say, your brain will say, hey, this is sexually relevant. And so you experience the physiological symptoms of arousal, even though you do not desire or welcome what is happening. Some partners experience intense sadness and frustration when their spouse um, is desired deeply, right? They want their spouse, they want to be with them, but their bodies will not cooperate. They cannot get themselves to that physiological response of arousal. You can only imagine how frustrating it is for somebody who wants to experience arousal, but they can't seem to get there. These individuals will often avoid any type of intimacy altogether to avoid the shame and embarrassment that they feel when their body doesn't cooperate. It's really good to understand this if you or your partner are struggling. Understanding these concepts can really help us to dissect our own desire and change the context and the inaccurate meanings we often assign to ourselves by default when we're just scrambling to make sense of our own sexuality based on cultural messaging or when we're comparing ourselves to our partner's desire. So let me describe the two types of desire that are now widely recognized. Spontaneous desire is likely happening when someone feels like they are experiencing arousal first or feel in the mood for sex out of nowhere without any stimulation. Or more accurately, they usually just aren't aware of the arousal being in a response to some outside stimuli because it's happening so very, very quickly. Um, I was recently reading some responses in a forum and some men were talking about this, about how sometimes it just seems to happen out of nowhere. And they talked a lot about experiences as a teenage boy that felt like it was uncontrollable. Not all men, but statistically more men will feel spontaneous desire than women do. In the book, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, she says about 75% of men And 15% of women is what the research says when it comes to experiencing this type of desire. So when we think spontaneous desire is the prerequisite for a healthy libido, which is what a lot of us are thinking, right? Like we have to have this spontaneous desire in order to be healthy in this marriage. That's what we used to think. That was the old um, model that clinicians used. 
But when we look at sexuality this way, we're leaving out 25% of men, so a fourth of men, and a whopping 85% of the women. That's a problem. (laughs) Can you see why we've been thinking that something is wrong, that we're broken, that we're defective? And even those who seem to be desiring sex spontaneously will also experience responsive desire as well. Now, by responsive, we mean that the desire for sexual intimacy starts after some type of emotional or physical stimulation. Basically, something sexy starts happening and then you're into it. So here's the answer to the head-scratching question we started with. Remember, I don't understand my wife can not want sex at all. But then, when we finally get going, she's totally into it and she loves it. Why is it so hard for her to want sex like I do? Why can't we figure this out? It's because she's experiencing responsive desire more often than not. And all of you out there asking this question, take note. It's not because she doesn't love you Or if you're on the opposite side of this, it's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because they don't desire you at all. It's probably not even because they don't value intimacy. Your partner is just different. They experience desire differently. Now, if you don't know any of this, (laughs) and most of us don't, because it doesn't even occur to us to go do the research to figure it out, Can you see how one might feel broken, inadequate, or be totally confused by their partner when they're in a relationship with someone whose desire response is opposite from their own? Can you see how it would get frustrating and lonely? I know you do because so many of you are experiencing this firsthand. It can be especially shameful if you're an outlier in your gender group. A woman who has high desire and experiences more spontaneous desire might have a lot of shame about that. Same for a man who has a lower desire. I have known some women to experience more spontaneous desire and some men who experience more responsive desires. It happens. And guess what? If that's the dynamic for your marriage, you can rest assured that you are still within the normal range There isn't a right or a wrong here. The sweet spot is to stop judging yourself. Stop judging your partner. Stop judging your relationship and start learning. And more importantly, learn how to use this information in a way that improves your intimacy. We don't listen when we feel judged, right? If you're judging yourself, you're probably so stuck in that judgment that you're not listening, you're not understanding, you're not seeking solutions. If you're judging your partner and you're judging your relationship, same thing. We don't listen when we feel judged. Frustration and guilt trips might get you what you want occasionally or momentarily, but it won't change the relationship overall into something better that you want anyway. It might make it worse. Understanding and empathy open us up. When we become aware of what's going on and we share it, it empowers both of us in the relationship. 
If you or your partner experience physical pain during sex, or as mentioned before, are struggling with past abuse or trauma, or perhaps you're a man who's experiencing ED, erectile dysfunction, these are situations that might result in one learning to shut down desire altogether as a way of self um, excuse me, a way of self-preservation or a defense mechanism. If you are experiencing this, I encourage you, I plead with you to please seek out help. This will continue to be a barrier in your relationship and in experiencing any type of desire, allowing yourself to feel any of that if it's left unaddressed. Most people, regardless of gender, will experience a blend of contextual desire within their norm of some responsive and some um, spontaneous sexual desire, okay? Even if you're not aware of the factors at play, you're probably experiencing both. Things such as stress, illness, children, financial burdens, all these things play a significant role in the way we feel and express desire. So many of you are still out there thinking that you just aren't sexual. Or maybe many, um, some of you are out there thinking that you're too sexual. I've definitely talked to men and women who have felt this way before as well. You're thinking that you're um, not sexual enough or over-sexual. And because of this, you can never be compatible with your spouse. I want you to know that just simply understanding and recognizing how you experience desire and being aware of the context in which you experience it can be a huge breakthrough in facilitating change, acceptance, and satisfaction in your relationship. Maybe your husband feels more desire when he's seeking an emotional connection with you and he feels the two of you have been distant for a while. Maybe your wife needs time and help transitioning out of mommy mode. It would certainly make sense that she isn't experiencing desire while in the throes of mom duties. These are the things I want you to start noticing. These are the things I want you to try to start being more aware of. Take a minute this week and notice when you feel desire or arousal. What are you thinking? What are you doing? How can you capitalize on the information you learn as you become more aware? I promise you, my friends, as you understand and embrace your differences, stop judging yourself and each other and your relationship. As you embrace what's going on, that's where you can work on improving how to come together and address your relationship as a whole. All right, good luck. Let me know how this works out for you and what your thoughts and questions are. I'd love to hear. Have a great week.